Hello, and welcome to the Divorce Woman's Guide podcast, where we talk about the things us divorcees are thinking, but not always talking about, as we turn our divorce into the best gift you've ever been given. And I do so with a little bit of sass and a whole lot of class. I am your host, Wendy Sterling, founder of The Divorce Rehab. I am here to support you in this transition phase of your life so you can start your new, best chapter on your own terms. After all, that's what I did after my own divorce. And now it is my mission to change the conversation around divorce and help you see why your divorce, like mine, was the best gift you ever received. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Divorced Woman's Guide podcast. How are you doing today? I am in such a great mood, and I'm so excited to introduce to you all Sarah Davison. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Hey, I'm great, Wendy. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your podcast. Of course, of course. I'm a huge fan, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today about how to control the remote control of your life, as Sarah put it so beautifully. But before we dive in, I want to share a little bit about you with our audience today. So Sarah Davison is best known as the divorce coach and is an award-winning authority on breakups, divorce, and life empowerment. Following the launch of Sarah's breakup and divorce coach practitioner accreditation program in 2018, Sarah has now founded the International Divorce Coach Center of Excellence, which has a coaching community of 250 divorce coaches spanning 16 countries and five continents. Sarah is a twice best-selling author, a regular media commentator, and host of the number one podcast, Heartbreak to Happiness. Sarah, welcome. And I always ask my guests to share a little bit about your story and how that relates to the work that inspires you every single day. Yeah, well, that's exactly why I got into doing this because, well, I've been coaching for 27 years, but only specializing in divorce for the last 13 years now. I was married when I turned 34. Um, I'd known my ex for a couple of years. We got married. Um, I thought we were very happily married to start with. And then things started to show that I hadn't realized were red flags at the time, but were definite red flags with hindsight, that precious thing. Hindsight, when we look back and think, gosh, I should have noticed that from early days. <laughs> but anyway, I soon found out uh, my son was one and I found out that my husband didn't want to be married to me anymore. And not only that, he was madly in love with somebody else. She was 12 years younger than me. She was absolutely beautiful. And she quickly became pregnant. Um, during this time, me and my husband, we had a global business together. We had about 180 staff around the world in Australia and London, where we were based. So this was like big humiliation, big embarrassment. Everybody else seemed to know apart from me. Then it all came out. Um, so it was absolutely devastating. I was doing all that ugly crying on the bathroom floor. I didn't know what was going to happen to me. My ex then moved his new girlfriend into the penthouse where I was living with my son. She was driving around in my car. She became a director of our company and life was very difficult to say the least. I literally was brokenhearted, devastated, didn't know what was gonna happen to me. My whole future 
it was just a blank, a black hole just in front of me. Didn't know what to do. But at that point, I had to make a decision. And like you, Wendy, I was a coach. And I knew that just because life was so bad in that moment didn't mean that's what it had to be forever, even though it felt like there was no light at the end of the tunnel at that stage. So I combined my coaching skills, and I've been coaching for, I think, about 15 years at that point, with the divorce that I was thrown into, which was very unpleasant, very difficult, two and a half years going through the courts here, very expensive, and very acrimonious. Um, I found out quickly that even if one of you wants to be friendly and try and get it sorted, if one of you's hell bent on just being difficult or unreasonable, it's very difficult to stay friendly or, or to manage the process in an amicable way. Right. So yeah, it was a long drawn out process. And having gone through that, I realized that actually, you know, you can get through it. And there are certain things that you can do that will definitely speed up that process. And that they're the tools and techniques that I tried to tested, tweaked, and then proved to work over that time for me that I now share with everybody around the world in my books and my, my trainings. Yeah. It's wonderful. And oh my goodness, you are an absolute role model for so many people listening. You know, I know that a lot of women that listen to this podcast experience the same type of betrayal and those, you know, integrations beyond just the marriage, the business. So thank you for sharing that story. And, you know, I can only imagine how much you were living in your head during that time period, as so many of us do. How did you really? take that first step forward in regaining control of your mindset? And, and what was that journey like? Well, I think at the, in the first part, it was a bit of a blur. And I think a lot of people listening probably resonate that the overwhelm, the huge change, especially if it was a complete shock. Like for me, it hit me like a freight train. Yes, I wasn't, I was aware there were things that weren't great. I wasn't always happy in the marriage, but I certainly wasn't ready to leave. So to know that my my husband had moved on and was madly in love, not only wanted to break up, but was already like with somebody else and ready to move on and start a new family was, was devastating. So I think, you know, in those early days, of course, it's going to be difficult. So that's normal. I think that's the important thing to know. There's nothing wrong with you. It's totally normal to do that ugly grind I talked about and to be all over the place and to forget everything and to you know, not be eating the healthiest of foods or not maybe you want to eat at all or drink a little bit more than you normally would. So these things are normal coping mechanisms. But the, I think the important thing to learn is that it will pass. And even if you don't know the how in the beginning, just having the faith that you can and you will get through this. And it is possible to turn that pain into your power and to turn that adversity into your greatest strength, actually. And I've seen so many people, as I'm sure you have, Wendy, do this, where they go through the toughest times in life, but then that becomes such a learning for them that they actually do become stronger and happier and more confident in the future. And that's what we're really talking about. So going back to your question about what was the first thing, I think it's just really realizing that we all control the remote control to our brain. But it doesn't come like it does if you get a package from Amazon with like an instruction manual that you've got to go, oh, okay, so step one, put this there and do this. <laughs> we wish it would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wouldn't that be great? So we learn by experience. We learn, for example, if, um, for example, I've got a friend and her child is terrified of spiders and he's been terrified of spiders since he was two or three. He'd be playing, playing with my son on the floor and he'd see a spider, he'd completely freak out. 
Um, and I quickly realized that the mother, his mother, who's a dear friend of mine, but she is terrified of spiders. And if she even smells or sees one in the far distant corner, she'll start screaming and running away and asking for help. And so that's a learned behavior from her child. He's seen that and thought, ah, okay, when I see a spider, that's what we do. We react like that. And I think it's really interesting if we look at ourselves and think, my coping mechanisms for getting through a tough time, where have I learned those from? Because we don't choose them consciously. In fact, we learn them very unconsciously. It's just what happens. We either learn that if we stand up for ourselves, we get shouted at and it doesn't work. So we then we learn not to stand up for ourselves in some cases or vice versa, the opposite in other cases. But how did you learn your coping mechanism and what is it? Because if we can shine a light on that, then we can see, is this serving you? Is it helping? You know, going for that biscuit, going for that extra glass of wine. Maybe you want to go partying. Maybe you don't want to think about it at all. You want to act as if nothing's going on, but inside it's really hurting. So looking at those coping mechanisms is the first thing, really, and understanding that you can change how you react. Just because you've done things a certain way so far doesn't mean you always have to carry on. So looking at those and then understanding that we can go in and change those if they're not working. We can actually, I always talk to my clients about having a dial, like actually visually seeing this dial that you can turn up and down like a thermostat in your house for the heating but for your emotions. So we want to dial down those negative emotions and we want to dial up the happy ones. And so that's what I share a series of tools and techniques that really give you that toolkit to be able to, to turn that dial down when you need to. So you can feel more empowered, take your power back and not just react because it's the way we've always done it. Yeah. And, you know, and I was so guilty of that, right? It's, you know, you become ingrained and I can attribute a lot of my reactive states to learn behaviors when I was a child and never being corrected or, you know, never knowing consciously that because it becomes so subconscious that I wasn't consciously paying attention to what it was that I was doing. And I find that a great deal of that work, right, of shifting that thermostat comes from a very, a way of having awareness around how it is that you do react. I think that a lot of us subconsciously just, we become, we get on autopilot, right? That's kind of how the world has trained us to, to function these days, right? It's crossing stuff off of the do list. Let's just go. And I always say like, there's power in the pause, like just slowing down and recognizing when it is that, you know, you've turned it up too high and you got to turn it back down. So how have you noticed and how do you work with your clients around creating that awareness to make that shift so i think that's where it comes from it first as you say is noticing what you're doing and that can be tricky because if you've done it that way for so long it's almost like we don't know we have a choice mm -hmm. and that's what's quite interesting i think the first light bulb moment is to really realize that you have a choice just because someone is doing something in a certain way doesn't mean for example if you're ex i've got a client this morning who's who's terrible at picking the kids up on time and you know, it might be to done on purpose a little bit to, to cause upset and hurt, but he can never show up on time. And it really upsets her. And so she feels out of control. And so she runs a certain pattern. He doesn't turn up, she gets upset. She starts getting anxious. If the kids are around, even she, they can pick up on it. There's a whole pattern of behavior and we worked it out. We know exactly what it is because it's cookie cutter. It's the same thing. He does 
they're not showing up on time. And then she runs this whole pattern, which you can document. It's like a recipe and it gets exactly the same result every time. She ends up very, very upset and the kids are stressed. Now, this is not a healthy reaction. Although for her, it was like, well, what am I meant to do? He hasn't turned up. So my question is always, how do you take your power back over that? How do you take your power back? Now, you know, what can we do? to change that. So I mean, one of the big issues is that her son was always late for football and she was always late taking her daughter to her dance class. So one of the things we came up with was how do you take your control back over that is to find somebody else to take her son to the football match. So his dad can still come if he's early, picks him up on time, great. But if he's not, the friend's gonna go come past the front door anyway, can take the son and then the dad can still go and watch him play the football when he wants to, as he wants to, we're not stopping that. It's just taking away that anxiety. She's taking her power back so that she's okay and the kids are okay. So again, it's a really good question you ask because actually becoming aware that you can have a different reaction is really the key to this, I think. Yeah, and it brings up this thought too, is that everyone thinks that they can change their ex or that their ex is magically going to change because you've had one conversation, two conversations with them about, you know, in your example, being on time, right? That they think that magically something's going to happen. And one of the things that I always say, and I'm curious to know your thoughts around this is that they're not the ones that are going to change. They're always going to be and show up the same way. And that's how they showed up in your marriage. So, you know, as you were saying, it's, well, how are you going to take back control of the situation? Because you know that they're not going to change. So the only person that you have control over changing is yourself. And I love that example because it allows you to really step back into that power of, okay, I get to decide how this is going to work best for me. And if they show up, you know, and and surprise me, great. However, knowing how they always show up is how you get to make your choices and make decisions, right? Yeah. I mean, that's such great advice. It really is. It's spot on. I think yeah, one of the things that hurts us the most is when we have our expectations set quite high. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that our ex's behavior always comes in pretty low. So the gap between where our expectations are and where reality is, well, that gap is just hurt, pain and disappointment for us. That, that's right. not hurt, pain, disappointment for anyone else other than us. And we're doing that. We are controlling in our minds where we're setting those hopes. As, uh, but that's got nothing to do with reality. So I always say, if you do have an ex who is a little bit difficult, shall we say, and that can cover a wide range of different things, and it's not diminishing any of the cruelty that does happen, but it's just to take some of the intensity out of it that I use those words, but putting your expectations on the floor, like low as possible, because anything else then, as you say, is a bonus. If they show up on time, yippee-doo, the kids are happy, you're happy, you can crack on. If they don't, well, hey, you knew that was going to happen anyway, and so you've got a plan, so it's still good. So I think, you know, understanding that you can control that if you keep hoping for something that really isn't realistic, you are setting yourself up for that pain and hurt. So it's you that's causing the pain to you in a lot of ways. That's why I was saying we need to change that around, take your power back and say, I don't want to be dependent on you for anything anymore as far as is possible. So, you know, there might be certain things that obviously you have to be Uh, dependent on but if we can change them we can make you more self-reliant we can build another support team around you that's where we want to get to 
Yeah. And, you know, and it even brings up, I'm sure some people are listening and saying, God, I so badly want to be able to do this, but you know, my confidence, my self-esteem is in the toilet. I doubt myself all the time with, you know, what happens if I mess up, what happens if I don't, you know, I don't have the awareness the first time. And then we get into that, you know, self-judgment, the beat up, the self beat up and all of that. So what would you say to somebody who is feeling a lack of confidence in and their ability to be able to do this? Well, first of all, there's nothing wrong with you. It's totally normal. This is exactly what we go through, especially when you come out of a toxic relationship or one way, you know, maybe you've been betrayed. So your confidence has taken a knock. It's normal. Okay. So that's okay. The thing is from now on, you have a choice. You either do certain things to make a change or you carry on doing things the way you're doing. That's the choice. So the power is actually all yours. But it's small steps moving forward. And I'm a big fan of building up your self-reliance muscles. And that means your ability to rely on yourself. Mm-hmm. As a lot of us will, you know, either rely on our ex or rely on certain friends for things. And I'm not saying you can't do that. I mean, preferably not your ex, but friends, definitely having a good support team around you is key. But before you pick up the phone, before you think, oh, gosh, I don't know what to do here. Quickly, let's phone my friend or my family member that I know I can ask. What should I do? Before you do that, have a think. What do I think is the right thing for me to do right now? What do I think is the right thing for me right now? So you come up with your own ideas. You come up with a couple of things. Well, maybe this or, yeah, maybe probably this. And then, of course, sense check it with your friend or family member. But what you'll find is more times than not, you are right. And they agree with you. And that's how you start to develop your own confidence because you think, well, actually, I did get that right. Or actually, oh, yeah, I did think of that. And so you learn to trust yourself. And I think a lot of this is about not trusting ourselves to make the right decisions. Yes. And often when we come out of toxic relationships, we've totally lost the ability to trust our own instinct anyway because we've been told we're wrong or it's not right or we're stupid or we'll never cope on our own. So that's almost been sort of a mantra that's running around in our heads. We have to scratch that now. And take our power back and say, okay, my motto, which has empowered me throughout everything that I've done since my divorce is screw you, watch this. And it's very much love like, that. <laughs> yeah, it's so empowering. I mean, I just when I'm saying it now, I'm like, come on. Because it just for me, it's like you can throw names and you can do horrible things and you can just torture me, be cruel, and all the horrible things you want to do via lawyers, via yourself, via anyone else that you know but you cannot break me inside. I am me. You cannot get that unless I give that to you. And I refuse. I refuse because you cannot get that. So do what you want, but screw you. Watch this. I'm turning this around and I'm reclaiming my life. I'm rediscovering my identity. I'm redesigning my future. And now I'm free. I'm free to live the life I choose on my terms I'm not saying it's a straight line. It might be a bit of a zigzagging up the mountain till you get to the, you know, halfway, <clears throat> but that's okay. Every step forward, however tiny, is moving you in the right direction. And that is how you start to build your confidence. But looking after yourself and knowing that, okay, maybe I screwed up. Maybe I didn't do that right. But the, the important thing is, you know that maybe you didn't do it in the way that you'd hoped you would. So that's a win because before you wouldn't even have known that. So just banking that and making sure you're surrounding yourself with people that are supporting you and helping you to move forward too. 
Yeah, you said, oh my God, my mind is like moving a, a thousand miles a minute. I have so many, you're saying so many good, rich things. I mean, one of the things that I always say is that a lot of times we become very attached to the how instead of trusting in the what. And, you know, I think that when we're going through divorce, we want to have so much control over every step. And it's probably the one life transition where you have the least amount of control. And what I'm hearing you say is that it's really the way you get that control is really how it is that you show up, how it is that you are in relation to the experience of divorce is really what's going to make the biggest difference for you. And, and my God, do I wish I knew this. <laughs> I mean, how much of what you teach now, right? Do you wish that you knew then, right? That you had had you when you were going through this, right? So what would you say to somebody who's sitting there going, well, you know, I want to trust myself. I want to trust the process. And they're just like, they can't, like their grip is still so tight. What would you say to them? Well, I mean, gosh, it's a great question. Uh, I mean, first of all, it's totally normal. So, you know, holding on tight is normal. As humans, we don't like change. Change is scary. Change is unknown. And this is one of the biggest challenges. I'm sure, Wendy, you see this in your yes. coaching clinic. Because, you know, it's very hard for us to move on, for anyone to move on, if you don't know what the future might look like. If you're sat in the present, very clear on what's going on in your life right now, your home, your routine, okay, the divorce is messing things up a bit, but and, and your ex is being very difficult, but you know how horrible that is. There's certainty around, this is horrible, but I'm certain I know how to manage it because I'm still here and I've survived this horrible mess. Right. However, change means stepping outside of that and looking at the future. And it's interesting, have a think, does your future look like a blank canvas or a black hole? Because if it's either a blank canvas or a black hole, we've got work to do here. We need to throw as much color as we can on that blank canvas and shine as much light into that black hole as possible. Because if you don't know what the future is going to be like, I mean, you can't design it exactly, but if you haven't even got an idea or you haven't started thinking about what you would want it or hope it to look like, how can you move away from something if you don't know where you're going? You wouldn't leave your house in the morning going, right, I'm off and then well, I don't know where I'm going. You'd just be wandering around aimlessly until you go back home. Well, I know it's terrible, though, but I'm going to stay because I know I know it. So this is the thing. We've got to start looking at what the future might hold. And that's not yeah. always easy. But again, just having a think about what you like, what you enjoy. Maybe it's not your old hobbies. I thought, oh, I'll go back to rollerblading. That was a bad mistake. I decided... <laughs> I dug out my old rollerblades, which were pretty ant antique by this stage. And I thought, right, I'm going to go to Hyde Park, which is in the centre of London. It's got a lot of rollerbladers who look super cool. And I thought, well, I haven't done this since I was 16 years old. So this is a long time. We're talking years and years, tens of years. Right? So I'm like, but I can still remember. Anyway, I got myself an instructor. Anyway, after four lessons, he fired me as a client because I wouldn't let go of him because I was so scared because I was thinking, I'm a single <laughs> oh, mum now. If I break my wrist, I can't drive my son to school. If I break my leg, what's, who's going to look after my son? So it was a complete stories. inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so many yeah. stories. Yeah. So we have to kind of think what is appropriate for me right now? What is safe for me right now? What would I really enjoy doing right now? Even though time has passed, you know, reinvent yourself, have a think. If you could do anything, what would it be? And I think having those hopes and those things that you get excited about, I always call it your breakup bucket list. 
all the things that you could do now, which you couldn't have done. And it could be small things like painting your nails bright colors because maybe you like that, maybe your ex didn't. Wearing leather trousers, one of my clients, she's just rediscovered leather trousers and that's it. Her husband didn't like them. Yeah, so she's wearing them all the time. So what is it for you? It might be a trip. It might be spending time with friends you haven't spent time with for ages. It might be having your hair done a certain way. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is, but you need that list to help you get some color and some sparkle back into your life to give you something to move towards. Yeah. And what I love about what you just shared is that it gets to be these little things, right? I always say that little things add up to really big accomplishments. And, you know, I love the idea of having a bucket list, a breakup bucket list, because if anyone listening is anything like me, I mean, I even posted on Facebook today or yesterday about this, you know, I never gifted myself me time. I felt I was a working mom and I felt guilty not being with my children when I wasn't at work. And so what ended up happening was I became more bitter. I became more resentful. And one of the things my divorce has really taught me is the importance of me time because What I ended up seeing through having that time alone, right, through exploring these items on my bucket list was I was able, it's a way to build up your confidence too in knowing that you can still do these things, right? And it doesn't have to be rollerblading, right? It can even just be like, you know, one of my big things was going to a restaurant and sitting at the bar and having a glass of wine by myself, going to the movies by myself, you know, going to the beach by myself, which was really hard in the beginning for me. And now I live for the days where I get to go to the beach by myself and just have me time, right? And I think one of the things that you're pointing out that I think is so incredibly important is we lose sight of the different ways that we can gain back our self-confidence and our trust, which then dovetails into feeling in control of our future through these really small, tangible ways that we gift ourselves with self-care, yes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, spot on because you know, it's the small changes, I think, yeah. that sometimes lead to the biggest leaps forward. And that's yes. what we want. It's the small, consistent and just you know, enjoy the process. I know that it might feel that everything is upside down right now, but you know, taking time for that bath or you know, that time on the beach. In the UK, we don't get much beach time, I have to say, but you know, that was what we would dream of. Maybe a holiday to the beach in a different country would be nice. But yeah, I mean, those sort of things, you know, putting those in your diary so you have something to look forward to. I think it's really important. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, it's really about you taking back control of how it is that you get to thrive through one of the hardest times of your life. And, you know, Sarah, I would love to invite you to share one last piece of wisdom with our audience today around our topic and also around, you know, I know that you talk a lot about surviving breakups and and how to get through that. So what would you say to our audience today? I think that just to know that you are doing just great, just the way you are, okay? Just the way you are, there is nothing wrong with you and everything you're doing right now is normal for what you're going through. And you have a choice. That takes a little bit of stepping up, pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. And I know some of the things that maybe we've been talking about today, and I'm sure that Wendy shares on her podcast regularly, you probably think, oh yeah, but I know what I should be doing, but actually I'd rather just go back to bed, pull the duvet under my head and eat crisps. But 
but <laughs> do it once. That's what I always say to my, just test it once, push yourself outside of your comfort zone, try it out. And then you can always go back to doing things the way you did them before, if you choose to. But I really think that once you've stepped out of your comfort zone, you've decided to make that change, you will get there and you can speed up the process. And you're not alone. There's a lot of us who've been through it. There's a lot of people going through it still. So have the faith. You can do this and you will start feeling better. These tools work super quick. You know, you can change how you feel in a heartbeat with some of the tools that we share. So absolutely go for it and remember the motto screw you watch this <laughs> i love that there's no better way to end this episode than with that mantra i absolutely <laughs> love that sarah and i absolutely adore you and i'm sure many people listening do as well and are probably wondering where they can find you how they can find you so could you share that with our audience today and it will also be in the show notes so my website is saradavison.com. That's S-A-R-A-D-A-V-I-S-O-N.com. Or I'm on Instagram, Sarah Davison Divorce Coach, and on all the other socials too. Wonderful. And Sarah, I know that you have a very generous gift for our audience today as well. I'd love for you to share about what that is and, and where they can find it. So on my website, I have two gifts. One of them is to join my Heartbreak to Happiness online weekly support groups. So you can join absolutely free for a week. Come and meet us, come and meet my coaches and get an hour with other people sharing their stories about what they're going through and getting some top tips and advice for some of the coaches that I've trained and are accredited by me. And also I have a downloadable survival guide as well, which is a free guide to getting you through those early days of breakup. So do check that out. It's on saradavison.com. You can download them. They're absolutely free. Wonderful. Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you and all the work that you've done. Thank you for just being authentic and being you. Oh, well, thank you so much, Wendy. It's such an honor to be on your podcast. I love your work and what you do and all the people you help too. So thank you for that. Thanks for having me. Of course. And everybody tuning in, my goodness, what a great episode. I hope that you guys write Sarah's mantra on a post-it and put it everywhere you are looking in the mirror, whether that be in your car or in your bathroom or in your entryway before you walk out the door. Such incredible and powerful information that you guys got today, which you know is a goal of mine, right? Wherever it is that you guys are, my goal is that you get a nugget of information that is going to help you take one step forward in your process, wherever it is that you guys are. I hope that you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you do not miss a single episode of my podcast that comes out every single week. You're welcome to join my free community on Facebook called The Divorce Rehab. And I can't wait to talk to you guys on next week's episode. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Sending you all so much love, light, and joy always. Mwah. Bye everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorced Woman's Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this episode with someone you know, or spread the word on social media. This is how I reach more divorcees around the world and provide them with the support they need to create their next best life. And I would also love to continue the conversation with you. So please friend me on Facebook, join my private Facebook group, The Divorce Rehab, and follow me on Instagram at Divorce Rehab with Wendy. I'll see you next time. 